You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. The breastplate of righteousness. Fifth session on guarding the heart. We all know a breastplate guards the breast, the heart, the heart area. And I wanted to draw some symbolism from that and see how knowing God's righteousness um, can help us guard our hearts. But just a quick recap, we started off in session one talking about um, blessings of the righteousness and we had a quick overview of the belt of truth from before. We talked about why a breastplate was needed and in the second session we focused more on the righteousness of God and we were defining what righteousness was, strict adherence to a law. And in the third week we realised that um, because God is so incredibly righteous and awesome there is no way we could be that righteous on our own and uh, even by the law and by following the law we need Jesus we have righteousness in Christ and um, we talked about why then a breastplate is still needed because if Christ has um, made us righteous uh, why do we need to put on the breastplate afterwards and we then talked in the fourth session about that a little bit more that we need practical righteousness as well as this um, righteousness by faith we need to live righteous lives which is an outflow of our being filled with God and righteous living comes out of knowing Jesus and we believe in spirit-led works we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for works that he's prepared in advance even before we knew about him he prepared in advance works for us to do and so there is work to be done and it's not a popular word work because we associate work with a job and we don't like doing a job and we don't like but God's got works for us to do and exploits and great things which will have eternal effects some things that God calls you to do that he's asked you to do that he had planned in advance will have ripple effects that go on that you won't even realize until you reach eternity and you see the echoes of your deeds in eternity so there's this whole practical righteousness thing today just two things today then um, about guarding the heart um, I want to talk about having peace in your heart because of righteousness and three practical steps to guarding our hearts um, but I was just thinking before we did that um, about the whole idea of a physical heart and how um, I really don't like blood and I, I've got a weird lots of people don't like blood um, but I'm fine with an injury I'm fine with blood pouring out of a wound for some reason that's all fine but if I were to study biology at school and just study how the heart pumped blood around and, and about the pulse and about blood in the veins just in its normal proper environment um, it makes me feel really faint and dizzy and there were times where I would be lying in my bed, more in my adult years actually, um, don't know why, but I'd be lying in my bed and you know how sometimes, maybe you don't have this, but you can hear blood, you can hear, feel the pulse in your ear um, and that really made me feel awkward, it's like that's, that's not just a heartbeat, a pulse, that's blood and it made me feel weird and sometimes lying on my front you can feel your heartbeat and think I don't want to lie like I want to write lie somewhere different because I'm just really weird about blood I can talk about it now because so, I'm I'm kind of a bit more a bit more over it and uh, but if I ever have to give um, 
a, a, blood, a blood sample, I, I just go in sweats and I get all faint and I just, I, I can't, it's very annoying because I hate being like that, but that's, I know, it's a tragedy. And thankfully I haven't had enough uh, medical problems to need to do that very often. But, um, but I kind of feel like in a spiritual sense, there's, there's an element in which some of us, we don't like to talk about um, our own heart and what it's doing and actually if we if we know people who have had heart problems and you try and address the, the lifestyle issues that have led to heart problems smoking and eating salt and fat and sugar and all that they don't like to talk about it either even though they've got a heart condition and um, in a spiritual sense it can be the same talking about the state of our heart is not always a priority sometimes we, we might just want to get on and do something you know in the spiritual in our spiritual walk we want to just do stuff we want to get off and do things for Jesus or we just want to do stuff in our life and spending time in intimacy with Jesus and working on the condition of our heart takes a back step um, and so I think the enemy is aware of that and he knows that we, we want to um, we need to protect our hearts and he wants to find that chink in our armour. And we know that um, the, the Bible says that we need to guard our heart because everything you do flows from it. I know there's other translations of that, but I can't quite happy with the idea that everything you do flows from your heart, from your spiritual state on the inside. You know, where, the way you walk, where you walk, the way you are, how you are, the way you speak and what you say, it, out of your mouth the heart speaks, doesn't it? And um, it's so important to be aware of this, the, um, the state of our heart. So how you live your life is driven by the state of your heart. If your heart is pure, your deeds will be pure. And Satan knows if he can get to your mind and your emotions, he can easily lead you away from God. So even though we've got this righteousness in Christ, there's this enemy who wants to lead us away from God. The Roman soldier's breastplate was used to protect all the vital organs, such as the heart and the intestines. I'm all right talking about them. Uh, <laughs> in, a, in the Hebrew mindset, the heart represented the mind and the will. The bowels or the intestines, talked about this before, I've got this feeling in my gut, even in English we have a bit of that sense. But uh, for the Hebrews, the bowels or intestines represented emotions and feelings. So when we talk about a breastplate to um, a, a first century Jew or Christian, uh, there's possibly this idea of representing our mind as well as our, mo our emotions. So um, I've heard other preachers talk about wherever you hear the word heart in the Bible, it means your spirit um, and your, something else. Is, I, I don't think we can be that categorical about it. And I, and I just think if we just talk about our mind and our emotions is, is um, a fair guess at what Paul might have had in mind. Um, and I also think that he probably didn't have a massive, he might have done, but he, he m might not have had a massive unpacking of what each piece of armour meant. If it was that important, he would have unpacked it for us. Uh, so I don't want to stretch the analogy too far, um, but let's talk about guarding our minds and guarding our emotions. Because the enemy is interested in our emotions. We talk about the power of the mind and we talk about how, um, we talk about the battlefield of the mind. There's a famous book by Joyce Meyer, The Battlefield of the Mind. It's brilliant. It's very, very helpful for a lot of people. But our emotions are kind of tied up in all of that as well. And it's easy to become 
emotionally unstable because the world is a very unstable place. And I'm just talking about anybody now, whether you're a person of faith or not, it's very easy to become emotionally unstable and blown around by all sorts of different ideas in a, in a, in a non-believing world which is so full of insecurities and instability. I mean, how much instability is there if you just have a look at the politics at the moment in any part of the world there is just a churning and a moving and it's almost like a, a shifting of tectonic plates politically there's just instability and people businesses don't know what to do because of this whole brexit thing and and people don't know which way to vote and parties are divided against one another and there's no clear-cut answers to anything and and um that's just whether you're a non-christian but i think as a believer living in that world, we've got an enemy against us as well. I think the enemy kind of leaves a lot of non-Christians alone and just lets them carry on in their own way. Um, but for Christians, particularly Christians who are trying to press into God, I feel like Satan wants to stir up trouble. And just little things are so easily going to get in there. Forgetting all the political stuff, that's just saying that we're living in inst inst a state of instability generally. But... Um, I, I feel like Satan stirs up people to criticise sometimes and to condemn. And do you follow that thought in your mind? And do you follow that emotion that comes with that thought? He stirs up little romances to distract us from focusing on God. He, he works to make believers worry and fret about the future so that they lose their joy. The enemy is cunning and keen. Therefore... We must guard our hearts above all else, as it says in the Proverbs. So where does a breastplate of righteousness fit into all this? Well, I wanted to talk about having a heart of peace, having a peaceful heart. And two sessions ago, we read Romans 4. I don't know if you remember, but in Romans 4, it was talking about having the righteousness of Christ by faith, not by works, righteousness by faith. And, and all of that was my key text for the righteousness uh, that we have from God by faith. It's a wonderful righteousness. It's incredible. Like that modern song says, I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. It's just wonderful. It's amazing. Um, and that's a wonderful piece of scripture, Romans 4. But if you, if you choose not to stop there and move into chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because our righteousness by faith, because of our righteousness by faith, we now have peace. And peace with God is an amazing thing. We, we're no longer warring with him. We have peace with God through Jesus. He's forgiven us all our sins and he's opened up a whole brand new way for us to live. And this peace is more than just a lack of war. We were at war with God by our own rebellion in, in our sin. But the peace that we have is more than just um, a, a, a lack of war, an absence of war with God. This peace, in, in Philippians 4, we read about a peace as well. And, and I just kind of saw this link between peace and the heart because I was recently reading Philippians 4 and it talks about peace in our hearts. And I thought, well, we've got peace in our hearts. That's what we want to guard with a breastplate of righteousness. So righteousness brings us peace. And that's what we want to be guarding. Um, I hope I'm not making tenuous links here. I hope you can sort of follow my train of thought. Let's just have a look at a couple of verses in Philippians 4. 
and thinking about peace and thinking about we have a special kind of peace that the world doesn't have. We have a special kind of peace that the world didn't give us and the world can't take it away. And so really we shouldn't be anxious about anything, but we are. But we're told, do not be anxious about anything in Philippians 4 verse 6. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it just doesn't make sense that you'd feel peace in this situation, will do what? It will guard your hearts. So this is a key for me to guarding my heart with the breastplate of, I'm righteous by faith, I'm righteous by God's goodness, I'm, I'm doing my best to put on the breastplate and live a righteous life, and I'm trying now not to be anxious, and the peace of God will guard your heart. The, 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 um, here we see the reality of the Christian walk. We do have peace with God, we are saved from sin, but anxious thoughts do still come in. Even David, this the greatest king that Israel ever had um, asked the Lord to examine his life and he specifically, specifically named anxiety as something for God to focus on. At the end of Psalm 139, he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Know my heart, God. That's quite a dangerous prayer, actually. I mean, we know that God does know our heart, but asking God in to examine our lives and saying, God, I know you know my heart, but let's talk about my heart. Um, and test me and know my anxious thoughts. It's the only thing he mentions there of all the problems that he might have. He mentions his anxious thoughts because he can see that the anxious thoughts are a barrier to peace in the heart. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So it says um, all those things to do with the heart Anxiety and lack of peace is real and every Christian is susceptible to it. So if you know a Christian who is always pretending, I, I'm going to be honest now and say pretending that they were always at peace, never anxious, well maybe they are super spiritual, but I've never met someone who's managed to keep that up and sustain it for a number of years without the facade cracking because everybody's susceptible to anxiety because we do live in a broken world and we're not yet perfect. So there is a need, despite the peace with God that we have, to daily put on this breastplate of righteousness which brings peace to the heart. Righteousness guards the heart and this is required above all else. If you think in a physical battle, if your enemy can shoot you in the heart, not a nice thought, or stab you in the heart, it's game over. And in the same way, in the spiritual battle, God wants your heart. He wants all of you. And um, so we need to protect, protect it and have peace. And if our heart is left unprotected, the enemy will find that chink in our armour, that area of your life you've not fully surrendered to God, and you will be led down a path of unrighteousness because your breastplate of righteousness has slipped. The end result is distance from God and in inevitably a lack of peace. Your peace came from God and his righteousness. So when you're led away from him, your peace is instantly under threat. What's the opposite of righteousness? Unrighteousness. So anything where we just don't give God our whole heart, 
then there's a little bit of protection missing and we're just led bit by bit. Sometimes, you know when people say, e, it's gone, they probably don't say it in this accent round either, e, it's, e, it's gone dark all at once. Hasn't it gone dark all at once? It hasn't gone dark all at once. Shadows creep in very slowly and it feels like it's gone dark all at once, but slowly the light has been dimming as you've been sitting outside. And it's the same with sin, it's the same with unrighteousness. So I've got some practical tips. Um, and the first one is to rejoice and give thanks. Most of my tips, my practical steps, are going to come from Philippians 4. I read a couple of verses, but by the end of the evening we'll have read a little chunk of Philippians 4 and we'll read all of it at the end together. Uh, and I believe that's going to minister to us as God's word only can. We read Philippians 4, 6 to 7 earlier. Now let's back up and read some more of this passage. So from verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. wonder why he had to repeat it. I don't really wonder why. I mean, always. I mean, it's easy to read and say, yeah, and when we're feeling good, it's easy to read it and skim over it. But honestly, always. So we have to say it again, honestly, always rejoice in the Lord. Even though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there's no fruit on the vine, there's no animals in the stall, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. That's not literal because that would look weird. But we can climb on the heights with Jesus. But we've got to stay rejoicing. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we see that this idea I was drawing out of Philippians 4 is preceded by the idea of rejoicing. I think that's so important. I think it's so important that we also see it in 1 Thessalonians 5 and in other places, but just chose to look here. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Never mind what the will of God is in every other area, but the will of God, if you're searching for God's will, the first thing you can do is learn to give thanks in everything. Wow, if you're really honest about this and we get authentic about our genuine lives, that's a massive demand that's been made of us to learn the discipline of giving thanks in everything. And I believe we need to start uh, training ourselves to think good thoughts, to fill your mind with truth and righteousness. The... Um, the, the gentleman who is now the national leader for Assemblies of God is called Glyn Barrett and he often says, I heard him preach many times, and he often says to his congregation, many of whom are new Christians, if you can't think of something nice to say, think of something nice to say. There's a twist on the normal thing of don't say anything at all. And I think that's a really good uh, level up from don't say anything at all. Actually, just think of something nice to say. You can do this. I believe praise is a precursor to blessing. Minister to the Lord. We're, we, we've got this ability now to enter into the throne room of grace and we can minister to the Lord with our praise. 
I've been dwelling on the idea myself in my personal walk of, of actually not coming to God with an agenda every time. I'm just actually spending time with him because he's a loved one. And with a loved one, you're happy to sit in silence even or play him a tune on your guitar and just share time together, ministering to him. He loves it. And I believe all of those things tie in well to this idea of giving thanks in every situation. They also tie in well and maybe overlap a bit to the idea of my second of three points, which is to take thoughts captive. More army talk, isn't it? We've been talking about swords and stabbing in the hearts. We're talking about breastplates. Now we're talking about taking thoughts captive. We've got a job to do. Thank God for the breastplate of righteousness. Thank God for his righteousness in Jesus. But we have work to do. Have a look at this in 2 Corinthians 10. It says in verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, sorry, to demolish strongholds. The weapons that we fight with are not of the world. But how often we slip into acting like people who don't have an army of angels on their side, that don't have all of heaven on their side. If we're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, we've got God on our sides. And yet we try and fix things in our own strength and we try and use weapons of this world. And I don't mean physical fighting weapons necessarily. Uh, I, I mean maybe just dealing with stuff verbally or um, getting into arguments and getting into situations where we're trying to take control of things and sometimes we call it we're being salt and light and we're trying to fight the good fight but sometimes we just got to go back into the closet and pray about these things and pull down a stronghold and ask the Lord to take control and give his sovereignty a chance to overrule in a situation rather than just trying to um, wield our own puny swords in our own strength in verse 5 it says we demolish we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ isn't that incredible we can make thoughts obedient to Christ isn't that a challenge for many of us and so is it Is it possible that every now and then we can just um, set some way of reminding ourselves to ask the question, is this thought obedient to Christ? Believers guard their hearts by recognising wrong thoughts and they recognise wrong emotions and they take them captive and they make them obedient to Christ. When we're struggling with anxiety or when we're complaining, our hearts and minds are not being obedient to Christ. Just for the record, in case you were wondering, we need to confront wrong thoughts and emotions with the truth, confess them to God and submit them to Christ and slay those dragons in our minds. It's it's a discipline. It's something I'm challenged to do. Let's pray that God can help us to do these things. My third point of three is to fill your mind with good things. I just think replacement therapy is just a really useful tool you know if you can't stop thinking about a certain thing you're trying to diet and you're trying not to eat cream cakes 
and there's a cream cake in front of you, you don't just stare at the cream cake and say, I won't eat it, I won't eat it, I won't eat it. Just think about something else, move away, throw it in the bin, or if you're in a sh coffee shop, don't throw it in the bin, it might be someone else's, depends what scenario you're imagining. Um, but just don't look at it and fill your mind with something else. Take thoughts captive, but also fill your mind with good things. This is how you guard your heart, how you guard your emotions. If you're not supposed to eat it, don't have it in the house. And I know that's just about dieting, but there's so many other applications for that. Um, just don't allow yourself to ponder those things. No. When, you've hit, when you see the thought coming into your mind and you sense it, take it captive and force yourself by an act of the will to think about something else that's good. If you can't find something good to think about, find something good to think about. Finally, brothers and sisters, in the same passage, Philippians 4. So we've talked about a couple of ideas. We talk about thanksgiving. We talk about presenting your requests to the Lord. And we've talked about in the middle of the passage, and the peace of God will guard your hearts. And then he goes on to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, if you're just reading it on its own, you might think, well, this is the Bible, it's going to give you instructions, it's going to give that list of good things, and it's going to say, strive to do those things. But right now, Paul's dealing with the mind. He's dealing with peace in the heart, and he's just saying, fill your mind with this stuff. And he goes on to say, whatever you've learned or received from, uh, or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. I wish I could say that. <laughs> he was obviously very confident that he'd lived a very honourable and righteous life amongst them. And he says elsewhere, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, anything you've seen good about me, imitate it. But there might be people in your life that you just know that they're ahead of you in their Christian walk. Just they just seem closer to God in certain areas. And there's nothing wrong with imitating them. Because if they're reflecting a good Christian life, if they're reflecting Jesus in their behaviour, that might be just something physical for you to hang on to. I'm not into following people as such, but Paul here is saying, look, if you see anything good about the way I behave, imitate it. Put it into practice yourself. And the God of peace will be with you. Not the peace of God this time, it's the God, he is the God of peace. So the peace of God comes from the God of peace. He is the God of peace. He's the only one that true peace comes from. If we fill our minds with truth and righteousness, then the devil will have less opportunity to tempt us. Every day we must fill our minds with truth by thinking on scripture, through our reading, worshipping and even entertainment, even, sorry, if at all, possible fill our minds with good things and if we do i guarantee we'll have more peace in our life imagine having peace in the middle of a battle imagine a person in the middle of a battle a real battle and just being really cool about it you'd think they were mad people see you in a battle because you get to know people around you, your neighbours, if you've got workmates or whoever, whoever else you know, family members, and they, they observe times you go through battles. You, the best time for you to be a witness for Christ is when you're going through struggles. And to be honest about it, and just to have this peace because you, you're surrendering everything to God, you're surrendering all your thoughts to God. Imagine having peace 
in a battle. Imagine feeling peaceful in the middle of a storm while all the world is running to and fro after the latest thing, idea, fear, or running from the latest fear. You just there, steadfast, in peace. It's going to shine. It's going to show. Someone's going to ask, what's different about you? Someone's not going to think you're mad. Someone's going to think you've found a secret that they want the answer to. So what will it look like to an unbelieving world in chaos and turmoil? The peace of God will guide you as others look on and see your righteous life lived out of a guarded heart of love for your saviour and as you seek first his kingdom in your everyday life, others will inevitably be drawn to the hope that you have. And that's the ultimate goal. That his righteousness that we've received might be shared with others and found by them. That they might have a conviction of their own unrighteousness before God and desire to put that right. May God fulfil this in our town and in our lifetime. It'd be good just to read all of that together. There's my three points, by the way. I didn't know that slide was coming next. So we're going to... We're going to rejoice, we're going to give thanks in every situation, we're going to take thoughts captive, and we're going to fill our minds with good things, whatever the circumstance. We're going to find that we're living righteous lives just by doing those three things, and people are going to notice. Inevitably, they will notice that there is a difference about you. They might not um, admit it, but they will see the difference. And someday, even tomorrow, even tonight, someone's going to ask you, what's different about you. You're going to get opportunities. If your heart's in the right place and if you've got a true heart after the kingdom of God, people will be drawn to you. And let's pray for souls saved just because of our example. Not because we're so amazing, just because God's so amazing in us. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.